You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 181 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we share tips on keeping horses hydrated in the summer. Critter of the show is the armadillo and critter nutrition. We focus on oxidative stress in horses with gastric ulcers. And in Coffee Clatch, we ask, what is the best advice you've gotten on training your dog? Listen in. And I'm Patty. And I'm Coach Jen. Welcome back to Healthy Critters Radio, where we get together about twice a month and talk about all things healthy and all things critter. That's physical healthy, mental healthy, emotional healthy, uh, toenail healthy. In Tigger's case right now, puppy healthy. Regular listeners will know that uh, last episode we chit-chatted a little bit about Tigger having a new puppy coming home. How's it going? And tell us about the puppy. Introduce us. Um, the puppy's name is Kenobi, um, named after Obi-Wan Kenobi. And um, he's uh, 11, uh, not uh, 9, 10, 11 weeks old today. Oh. And I, I was telling Chad that he spent all afternoon sleeping. It's pouring rain. It was so nice. It was so quiet. Tonight, we've got the raving lunatic <laughs> you should have woken know. him up from his nap <laughs> yeah that's what i used to do with my kids this is not gonna work <laughs> but fortunately i have some awesome help in the name of uncle keen and aunt wookie and wookie and- is the hall monitor and she dishes out the discipline and <laughs> keen is like Anyone's favorite uncle that lets you do anything. Uh, so when funny. puppy has a need to chew on someone's ears, he goes to. Oh Keen. yeah, he's keen. Is like yeah, no problem. Just chew on my ears. That's good fun. Yes. Yeah. There we go. So Keen is going to join him in causing mischief. There you go. Well, no, Keen knows better than I. Like puppy, Kenobi is like casing the joint, casing the coffee table for what. He can pull off of it. Yeah. 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 There you go. So that's life with an Australian shepherd puppy. <laughs> there you go. That's our update. Okay. Yes. So you can expect lots of the, lots more of those over the lots next 12 of months. Those. Yes. Yes. Well, as usual, Tigger and Patty were not prepared when they showed up this evening. So I get yeah. to ask the chit chat question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, I, I finally got to ride my horse today after the, after Oh, a multi-week cool. sabbatical and he was a hot mess because i hadn't seen him for a couple days and there was lots of hair flying everywhere when i groomed him so that got to me to thinking pre-ride grooming routine what's yours patty pre-ride um yeah. this is gonna sound horrible but, um i ride so many horses i have somebody groomed for me so um but i when i train people to do it i um we use a rose oil I like to have it sprayed on their coat 
we kind of groom that in and then we curry it. And then we use a um, kind of a whiskey brush and then a soft brush and go over their whole body. Sometimes we use that little cat. I forgot what it's called, but it's like, oh, tiger suit. Yes, um, I love those. Like little, yeah, yeah. I love those. the tiger tongues. Then, yeah, 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 tiger tongues. And then I finish it off by going over the whole body with a wet t- towel, just to make sure everything's clean. And interestingly enough, um, a friend of mine was just telling me she read this article about fly spray and how you really are supposed to brush it in. So we've started to do that, and she swears that the flies stay off for almost two days. We'll see. I just started Ooh. doing it. Um, that's wow. interesting yeah so like of course it, it now i think it's like the piranha that's the one that's like the wipe and spray so it has to be wipe and spray i think it's not just spray mm-hmm. but she swears that she does not have to spray them but once every two days if she's not riding and washing them interesting so, and then of course i put some stuff in their tail i have this organic um apricot oil stuff that i put in their tail and then we pick it apart and fluff it up and off we go so you you have uh, baroque horses there with voluminous manes and tails. Yes. Do you do you? I'm going to use air quotes here. Comb them out pre ride every day, or does that happen periodically? And then you braid them up, or? Well, I the only baroque one we have is my little Lusitano gelding, and I just literally before we did the show gave him his weekly bath. He's just two, and so I wash his tail, I condition it. And then I put the uh, the stuff through it so it will come through. When I used to train just exclusive ones, exclusively them, um, it depended. I had a couple horses that had amazing manes, so we would braid them, keep them braided very loose at the top, and we would uh, shampoo and condition them once a week, and then we didn't touch it. Um, I'm a big believer. If the tail is dirty, do not try to comb through it. Just wash it. You know, I, yeah. I just, yeah. I was, I was taught my very first big time trainer his name was david the whistler and he said every horse should have a good tail so don't ruin it by pulling all the hairs out so i tried not to so it's been ingrained (laughs) in my head so your horses get the full monty pre-ride the curry comb the brush the towel the whole thing yeah okay yeah tigger i know you don't actively compete anymore but when you were competing your just for your everyday routine what did your pre-ride grooming look like it was curry, brush, towel. All three. Now, manes and tails? Yes. Um, uh, manes, yes. Tails. I tried to always keep tails clean so I could just run mm-hmm. my fingers through it. Yeah. Interesting. So, who? I'm going to ask Tigger first. Who foiled before your ride, after your ride, or neither? Excuse me. What did you say? I mean, hoof oil before the ride, after the ride, both or neither? Uh, neither. How about you, Patty? Uh, I, it, de- depending on how their feet are looking, um, I use a FOL. I can never say that right. The E F F O L. I will use that before the ride, just a couple times a week if their feet are dry. So, but I try to like. Kind of, I, I really do try to let. You know, not not to bother them too much mm-hmm. so you um, you, you, know, like, you use it on an as needed basis before the ride yeah okay interesting okay how about oh. you jen well mine varies a great deal if i'm able to ride him daily grooming gets 
is usually literally curry them off with a tiger's tongue. And if you're not familiar with what a tiger's tongue in is, is it's made by a company called Epona. And just imagine that traditional peanut shaped bath sponge, except it's made out of this loose semi crumply. It's a little bit like this stuff that's on the scrubby side of your kitchen scrubby. It's about that texture, but it's in the shape of a giant sponge. So if he's getting groomed daily, in the summertime, that's really all I use because I can curry him and knock the dirt off with him. Um, and I definitely comb the mane the t- or the tail and the forelock. Tail, I'm, li- I'm like you guys. I tend to leave the tail alone unless I'm going to do everything. <laughs> you know, clean it, do yeah. the whole thing. You know, I tend to every couple of weeks or so just give it a good scrubbing and put conditioner in it, get it all combed out and beautified, and then ignore it for a week or two. And I'm I'm definitely a non-hoof oil person nowadays. I used to be a hoof oil. I was religious with hoof oil every single day. Hoof oil. But I've, I right. got away with that with Nigel wearing glue shoes because it it tends to make the glue not want to work properly because it does absorb into the hoof wall. And that's what you're gluing the shoes to. Um, so I stopped using it. But um, yeah, so and they seem to do just fine, even though they're not getting hoof oil. So I'm OK with it. they do yeah um cool so there you go now does because your horses have proper winter coats and proper do do you have proper winter in the part of texas you're in oh yeah man yeah do you does your grooming routine change a lot pre-ride grooming routine change a lot through the winter months or are there only subtle differences i probably wouldn't do the rose oil as much you know, because yeah. I don't want them to, you know, get wet Damn. or cold. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And the, for us here in Ocala, Florida, it's the reverse. In the summertime, our grooming routine t- can change sometimes because it's so hot that you literally can't brush them. They're just sweaty and sticky. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people will actually rinse their horse off before they ride it instead of grooming it because you can't get anything off. It's just goo. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Well, if you have interesting grooming routines or if you find ours offensive, let us know (laughs) over on the Facebook page, Healthy Critters Radio on Facebook. Is that right? Yep, that's right. There we go. So head on over to the Facebook page, Healthy Critters Radio, hit the like button and post on there. You guys are crazy. You got to comb their tail every time, whatever you want to say. So there we go. (laughs) And now it's on. To the round table. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Keeping horses hydrated. I wonder what inspired me for that. Anyway. Yeah. I looked at the, the temperatures in Texas and I just couldn't believe it. I know. <laughs> it's, it, awesome. it's, been ex- it's been exceptionally hot there, hasn't it, Patty? I mean, it's, it's, it's typical Texas. Um, you know, I've, I've learned um, how to deal with it. Um, and I also, but the thing for me is, um, I, I, I've always known this, but I have this friend named Tigger that is all about making sure you constantly <laughs> keep your hydrated. So I have always been very, very neurotic about it. Neurotic. Um, so it, it's no different thing for me to constantly, you know, think about that, you know, um, it, it, de- depending on, um, 
we I have a variety right now of like a, a, a very a couple older horses that one that lives outside all the time, one that's inside that has cushions that doesn't move around well. So I mean, one of the biggest things that I do is I wet their food down so I know that they're getting yeah um, extra water that way, mm-hmm. um, and I put um, Celtic sea salt in their food to help ensure um, you know to make sure they keep drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, we also steam their hay and we'll wet it if they need it. So, um, you know, and of course, you know, depend and I, and again, when the weather really starts to change, I, um, I will increase their salt if they need more salt, but we always just make sure they have fresh water. But the biggest thing to me is make, is I wet their food and or their hay. I don't leave it in a bucket, but like I'll wet their hay. Um, and then, um, or, and then offer them like, um, alfalfa soaked cubes with a lot mm-hmm. of water. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I, 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 well, I want to add that the, the thing about Celtic sea salt is that it includes the electrolytes. Mm-hmm. And electrolytes in Celtic sea salt, because they're, it's not an overly processed salt, it, it, they just literally have brine pools where the they collect the salt water and then they let it evaporate and then sun dry. And that mm-hmm. Celtic sea salt is the same pH as the horse's blood. Oh, not only does that. it have the salt and the potassium and the chloride, but it's got all the trace minerals. So mm. you're yep. really getting a, a super food and super hydrator. In yep. Celtic sea salt. Celtic sea it's salt. All I, yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to have to remember that. Yeah. Write that down. Written. There we go. <laughs> what do you do, Jen? Oh, let's see here. What I do. Um, One of these, something that one of my horses a long time ago taught me is anytime they go for a ride or a work. Before I leave, I make sure I pour them a fresh bucket of water in a bucket that they like because my horses have all seemed to be, there's buckets they like and buckets they don't like. And the minute I get off their back and loosen the girth, there's the bucket and you can have as much as you want. That's one thing I do. Uh, It works even better if I take them in the stall and do that than even if I do it in the aisle way. Another thing I do is offer them something that is referred to generically as sweet water, which is just Mm -hmm. water that's had stuff added to it to make it taste better. And a lot of people will use rice bran because rice bran, believe it or not, tastes sweet. And then they'll probably probably add electrolytes to it or something like that. I use alfalfa pellets and a handful of rolled oats. Any number of different recipes. The trick is it has to make the water taste sweet, and it's great if you have some little bits of it that float on the top like breakfast cereal, and then the rest sinks to the bottom. So what they figure out is that they start sucking it up, and they get a couple of yummy bits, and they go, oh, that's fun, and oh, it tastes good. Oh, look at the bottom. I have to drink to the bottom to get to it. It's kind of a learning curve, something I learned from the endurance community. It's very common to use, and I can get Nigel, unless he's completely stressed out and decided that he's on a fasting routine, I can get him to drink a gallon of water in about 30 seconds just by wow. offering that to him. Just, Hey, look at this. Oh yeah. And scooter, it takes about 15 seconds for him to drink it. 
Uh, so I do that on a regular basis so that we're in, we're in a situation where he desperately needs that water because he is dehydrated. It's not new, different, or novel. It's, oh, that's what we do. It's yummy. And just recently, I discovered a new product to do this with. Let's see if I can remember what it's called. Uh, Dimples Horse Treats, they're called. We got I got a big old bucket of them when we were at the trade show this last time in August. Big bucket of them. And it looks like your average German horse muffin. It has that molasses-y kind of a texture, and there's little bits of oats and stuff in there. And, of course, the horses go crazy for them because they smell really good. Yeah. So I took one up, and I broke it up in a bucket of water. And that works a treat. Sucks that water bucket because, I, you know, the little two-gallon pail that we use for everything around the barn. He'll, he'll drink that thing. All the way down, if I'd crumble up two of those little dimple horse treats into it. And for him, two gallons of water is a lot because he'll only drink about five a day anyway. I don't know how wow. he survives. I don't know how he does it. He's some kind of cactus or something. Uh, so that's the other thing to do. And of course, he gets electrolytes in his food twice a day, every day, year round because he's chronically dehydrated. That's just him. Just uh-huh. to keep him, mm-hmm. keep him from getting dangerously dehydrated. If I don't give him electrolytes and just count on him eating salt, it's just not enough. Um, and I've tried a whole bunch of different kinds of electrolytes, and I tried just regular salt. Nope. It has to be the electrolytes with all the stuff in it. So that's what we use. Um, and when I travel, I give him either beet pulp or hydration hay. Hydration hay I love. Yeah. I've not tried mm-hmm. that yet. That's great stuff. Um, I use that when we travel because again, he's getting food. It tastes good, but the food has a very high moisture content. So he doesn't have to use any of the water that's on already in his system to get it through. <laughs> it's, it's pre-digested, so to speak. Well, that's the great thing about wetting the feed in the summer. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's some horses that don't like a wet food, Yeah, but you don't have to make it like a mash. You just have to add a little bit of water, stir and serve. Yes. Yes. And and I, I, for years and years and years, when the horses lived at home, I used beet pulp because it's so easy. The shredded beet pulp hydrates in about three minutes. It just pour mm-hmm. water on top and it's ready to go. Um, now, it wasn't soup, but it was hydrated. When you picked it up in your fingers, it was all nice and soft and squishy. Um, and they have something here in Ocala called mini mini cubes in the hay versus the great big hay cubes. Yeah, and those are cubes, nice. I like those mini cubes. They dissolve much much faster than the yeah. big cubes. Yeah. So we'll we'll use those a lot. Um, so just every opportunity to get them moisture already in the food. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we do. That's what we do. I got a question for you. Tigger. Yes. You're our dog expert here. Um, dogs obviously can get dehydrated. Yeah. Can, can, what do you do for dogs that are going to be prone to get de- getting dehydrated? And how do you know if your dog's dehydrated? Well, the, there's always the very good skin test. Mm-hmm. Same as what we do with horses. And definitely look at the the gums. Ah, the paler the gum, the more dehydrated. So that means you should look at them regularly so you know what normal looks like. Yes. Okay, good to know. And can do dogs, can you give dogs electrolytes like we do for our horses? 
I never had. Hmm, um, so I don't know. Interesting. If I have a dog that isn't drinking well, I'll actually take a syringe and and just start, you know, one cc at a time, getting water into them. Oh, okay. But if drip they're, it in there, you know, yeah. if they're dehydrated, not from exercise, then you know you've got something more serious going on. Ah, interesting. Maybe a a phone call to the veterinary center. And oh, say, yeah, hmm. or to the emergency vet. Mm, yeah, interesting. See, did not know those things. Yeah, I'm. Despite having dogs for many many years, I'm kind of a dog dog dummy. I don't know a lot. There oh, go. And, and you're going to discover that later in the show when we talk about dog training. So stay tuned. Ah! Oh, 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 I can't wait. Hedwig, the world's only podcasting Pomeranian. Hedwig! Hello! 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 Hi, Hedwig! I always want to sing the, the Mighty Mouse song when Hedwig comes on. <laughs> here, here I come to save the day! Here I come to save the day! Hedwig, speaking <laughs> of which, if Hedwig had a theme the song, what would it be? Oh, what a, wow. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I was just about to burst into song and then you derailed me with this query. <laughs> oh my gosh. What to say? What to say? Well, I think probably it would be my namesake song. <gasps> oh, really? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Would you like me to sing that for you? We would like you to sing that for us. Six inches forward and five inches back. I got an, an angry inch. It's from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. <laughs> Is there a second verse? Oh, yes. But Please. it might not be acceptable for radio. <gasps> oh, <laughs> we would have to bleep it out. That's no good. No, yeah. we wouldn't want to bleep you out. <laughs> My servant is uh, quickly threading through her brain. to see. Oh, I see. I see. Well, now we know what your theme song is. And any amazing Pomeranian that has a theme song also has a superpower. So what is your superpower? Mind control. (laughs) (laughs) So do I need to wear a a titanium helmet when I'm near you? It would do no good at all. (laughs) Because what I do is I'm cute at you and you just do whatever I want. Um, (laughs) Now, do you teach any superpowers to your siblings? Well, I must admit that my sister Christabel is already Yoda level at the cute thing and basically gets the whole world to bend to her will. Um, I probably have conveyed some level of my mastery to some of my less cute siblings, like my goblin brother, who is not blessed with Pomeranianness. It's probably it's probably a struggle for him to have a superpower, isn't it? Is being stupid a superpower? Because if so, he's got it down. Hey, to everybody has their own special superpower. We should not judge what it is. Also, he likes to play with his own feet. Oh, that's interesting. Well, he never he, they're never going to get lost or worn out. <laughs> no, he counts them a lot. He lies on his back with his feet in the air, counting his feet. Counting his feet. Yes, he hmm. plays with each foot, and then he says one foot, 
two foot. And then he has to start over because he doesn't really know how to get beyond two. (laughs) (laughs) I know a thoroughbred that could relate to that. There we go. So if you were to bless upon your servant a superpower, what would it be? Making me my own treats every single day. Ah, cheese treats? No, last night she made the most delicious treats. Do you want to know about them? Say yes. Yes. She put into the blender, she put pumpkin and bananas and peanut butter, and she whirled it around, whirled, 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 while I watched very carefully. And then she took a spoon, and she spooned this mixture into the ice cube tray. And then they were put in the freezer. And this morning we each got one. It must have been amazing. It was amazing. Mine had to be cut in half because it was too big for me to have all at once. But that's okay. I ate it anyway. Well, you got two then, right? It was delightful. (laughs) Delightful. Angling for one for dinner. Okay. So your servant has chef-like superpowers. Well, yes. It could be improved. (laughs) well thank you for sharing your superpowers your theme song and your wisdom with us today hedwig unbelievable day with hedwig yes well i like to deliver you know (laughs) you do you're a giver bye-bye hedwig thanks hey goodbye i say hello 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 (laughs) i don't know why you say goodbye i say hello Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why BioStar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. BioStar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real food ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The BioStar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BioStarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BioStarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. So we are at the critter of the show, and I asked my son, what is it that I should do? And he said, armadillo. I just saw one on the side of the road. And I was like, (laughs) hey, that's great, because I live in Texas. They are (laughs) the Texas state animal, aren't they? Yes, they are. They are. They are um, a creature that you absolutely will find in the state of Texas. However, you can find them in 16 other states. Texas is home to most of them than any other state, obviously, although I did see some in Florida. Um, kind of cool. I never looked them up because they always scared the tar out of me. The very first time I ever saw one was when I first moved to Houston. I walked into a barn and we both looked at each other. I, I screamed, he screamed, he jumped straight up and then I ran out of the barn. I don't know where he went, but <laughs> there's certain things about me that are, that I'm not proud of. That is one. Um, but the body temperature of an armadillo is lower than most mammals, which I thought was interesting because we have done the sloth prior, which same yes. thing. They have very little fat, which that's why they're found in warmer climates. Um, 
they typically like to be around places that do about 15 inches of rain a year. I'm not sure why, but when the climates change, their territories will continue to expand. Good thing Texas is a big state. Um, the nine banded armadillos are generally what you see in my lovely state. They weigh from anywhere from five to 14 pounds. They're, um, and they're about anywhere from 15 to 23 inches long, which is kind of, that's a big range. Um, but that, that's not including their 10 inch tail. You don't normally see them when you, but when you do, you will know they are there because for a tiny little thing, they make quite a racket. And it's, it's a weird sound when they do it. Cause I've, I know I've had some around my house, never seen them, but you always see the, uh, destruction afterwards. I'll get into that later. Armadillo is a Spanish word, uh, meaning little armored, little armored one. And their unique outer shell is most notable. Um, the, the underside is covered with a tough skin and coarse hair and um, doesn't have armor and plates like on the top. They're hidden. Um, they form a hardened bone with a coated substance similar to human fingernails, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then the vertebrae are actually attached to the shell. So if the listeners are like, okay, I want to see what they look like, this will make a lot of sense. Um, what these little guys eat, armadillos are nearly entirely insectivores. Hopefully I said that right. Um, they have sharp little claws where they dig up grubs and beetles, maggots and ants, termites, all the things you want them to eat, worms. Um, they're consistently uh, foraging and digging, which makes them incredibly unwelcome guests because they will tear up tear up a beautiful garden in no time. Um, when the winter comes around, they supplement their diets with um, like small animals and eggs, which is kind of creative. Um, they are um, they're very good. Um, Burrowers, that's a hard word for me. And they sometimes can ma- ma- maintain up to 12 rows in their kind of range of burrows. The burrows are roughly eight inches wide, seven feet can be seven feet deep, and sometimes 20 feet, five feet long. That's kind of amazing. Wow. Um, and that's why, again, you don't want these guys in your backyard. <laughs> no, one, no, one, no one needs to see that. Um, Breeding normally occurs around July with a single egg that is fertilized, but the embryo, this is very interesting, remains dormant for three months and sometimes up to um, four months to ensure that the young is not born during unfavorable. I think that's amazing. Once a little zygote implants in the uterus, there are, there's a four-month gestation period. The egg fertilizes and splits into four identical embryos. Finally, uh, identical uh, quadruplets are generally born somewhere in March. The young will remain nursing in the burrow for about three months, and around four months they start to go out with their mother um, and forage, and then get kicked get kicked get kicked out of the hut by six months. Um, shockingly, armadillos can live up to twenty years. It's seven to twenty wow. years. But I thought that really? was really wow. Mm-hmm. Females can produce fifty-six young in their lifetime. <laughs> okay, so here's some fun facts. One's really kind of gross. Um, First, first off, can people eat armadillos? Apparently they can. They call it the poor man's white meat um, or the poor man's pork, I should say. But it's also an important fact to note that um, they also harbor a disease called Hansen disease, otherwise known as leprosy. So let's not go get that nice and pork just yet. <laughs> and besides, <laughs> can't even imagine thinking of, oh, let's have this, but people eat snails or whatever. Um, Another interesting little fact is the nine banded armadillo can roll into a ball. Remember those little, remember those yes. little um, roly poles for kids? So it kind of looks like that. 
They also can move very quickly up to 30 miles per hour. Really? Uh, yes. Um, and I've already mentioned this. When startled, they can, they can jump straight up as much as two or three feet. Yes, I've witnessed that. They don't scream. I know that I did. Um, and lastly, armadillos are very good swimmers and can hold their breath up to six minutes. Wow. I know. Um, so the very, the very first time that I ever saw one that unfortunately was not alive was on the side of the road and it's, it's common in Texas and they, I don't know what, what it is. And this is when I was living in Houston, they're always upside down on their back. And I drove by one in the morning. I was like, Oh, that's so sad. And I came back in the afternoon, armadillo was still there. And I was like, what, what is with that armadillo? Someone had put a bud light (laughs) in their arms. So it looked like it had obviously was in a drunken stupor and I cannot, I just can't get that vision out of my head. (laughs) It was sad. It was like, Oh my God, he was already gone, but at least it made it look like he had had a good time. But anyway, kind (laughs) of cool little creatures. Very cool. Yeah. Don't want, don't want one in my backyard or one as a pet and I'm never going to eat one. So there you go. I can attest to the destructiveness. Those little guys. If, if, uh, if they move into your back garden or, under your home, as they did when we lived in a our double wide, they moved it underneath, and they shredded right through the ductwork, and we're living in it. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. So we we would put the live traps out, and we'd trap them and <coughs> drive them down the road a few miles, and turn them loose in the woods. So uh, yeah, I discourage anybody if you like to feed outdoor kitties, whether they're your precious loved outdoor kitties, or if you like to feed the local feral outdoor kitties fine but don't set the food out there and just leave it sit out there because all you're doing is feeding the rodents that then go in to homes like mine and shred up <laughs> yep oh, i didn't know all those things i didn't know all those things that they were such a fascinating creature and i just thought they were bizarre looking miniature dinosaurs And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and the topic is oxidative stress in horses with gastric ulcers. As many of you know, I'm rather obsessed with the GI tract. From as far back as 2007, when I started Biostar, I've always focused on the health of the equine gut. My obsession probably began in 1981, when my seven-year-old off-the-track thoroughbred Cappy colicked and foundered. After several months of veterinary and barrier intervention without results and the horse's constant pain, I had to put him down. If I'd only known then what I know now. Looking back, it's amazing how much more we know now about the equine GI tract than when I lost Cappy. Ever since Biostar's founding, the research and understanding of the GI tract of horses has grown exponentially. There's still so much we don't know. Yet the advances in equine GI tract research and veterinary care cannot be overstated. Several days ago, I headed down the oxidative stress rabbit hole, came upon a January 2020 study published in the Journal of Equine Veterinary Science, highlighting oxidative stress in horses with gastric ulcers. What is oxidative stress? Oxidative stress occurs 
when there are too many free radical oxygen molecules and not enough antioxidants to neutralize them. This imbalance results in cell and tissue damage. Free radicals are molecules that are missing an electron from their outer shell, which makes them unstable. They try to steal an electron from other molecules wherever they can, which causes damage to the surrounding cells. Oxygen-free radicals are the products of cellular metabolism and are known as reactive oxygen species, ROS. They are unstable, highly reactive, and play a significant role in inflammation. Under normal conditions, antioxidants neutralize free radicals by scavenging free radicals, thereby reducing or helping to prevent damage caused by oxidation. The goal is not to eliminate free radicals entirely because low levels are actually essential. They play a role in cell-to-cell signaling, gene function, and enzymatic activity. While excess ROS can be harmful, a healthy horse naturally maintains a balance between antioxidants and free radicals. What are antioxidants? Antioxidants are substances that remove potentially damaging oxidizing agents in a living organism. Antioxidants benefit the body by donating one of their electrons to the unstable reactive oxygen species, thereby stabilizing that molecule and neutralizing its negative effects. Importantly, antioxidants can do this without becoming unstable free radicals themselves. Examples of antioxidants include vitamin C, beta carotene, vitamin E, selenium, zinc, copper, flavonoids, manganese, nitric oxide, fulvic and humic acids, curcumin, and polyphenols. What came first, the chicken or the egg? From the Journal of Equine Veterinary Science Study, quote, oxidative stress is evident in horses with equine gastric ulcer syndrome. Consequently, antioxidant therapy may be indicated for supportive treatment protocol of diseased horses, end quote. We cannot yet ascertain whether free radicals and oxidative stress play a role in ulcer formation or are the result of ulcer formation. We do know that oxidative stress is present in horses with gastric ulcers and antioxidant support would be beneficial therapy. Did I add more vitamin C to my horse's diet? Vitamin C is a well-known antioxidant. Horses, unlike humans, can make their own vitamin C. When supplementing with vitamin C, the horse may start producing less of their own. When you decide to stop supplementing vitamin C, it's important to reduce the amount slowly so the body has time to reestablish, reestablish endogenous levels of this vitamin. Foods that supply antioxidants for horses. Real foods, not food byproducts, provide antioxidants in varying amounts. Fresh forage supplies vitamin E, your horse will need eight to 10 hours on pasture to get enough vitamin E. Alfalfa provides beta carotene, vitamin C and E, flavonoids and phenols. Chia seeds provide quercetin, 
Sunflower seeds contain phenolic acids and flavonoids. Pumpkin seeds provide flavonoids and phenolic acid plus zinc and magnesium. Cinnamon provides flavanols and other antioxidants that specifically inhibit fatty acid oxidation. However, cinnamon is not show safe. Turmeric contains curcumin, which exhibits both antioxidants and anti-inflammatory properties. Spirulina provides carotenoids, vitamin E, and flavonoids. Apples and carrots provide quercetin, and carrots provide beta-carotene. Help, I mean, sorry, kale provides beta-carotene, vitamin C, flavonoids, and polyphenols. Medicinal mushrooms. Rishi ranks as the top medicinal mushroom with antioxidant properties, followed by turkey tail, hemlock varnish, and lion's mane. These mushrooms also supply manganese, zinc, copper, and glutathione. Indian gooseberry, also known as amalaki, supports production of nitric oxide as an antioxidant. And shilajit, with its high concentrations of fulvic and humic acids, act as antioxidants and anti-inflammatory compounds. How about hay for vitamin E? Antioxidant vitamin E in hay breaks down very quickly after the hay is baled. A lot more horses are presenting with vitamin E deficiency than in the past, partly due to the reduction of pasture time and fresh forage that horses have access to. Relying on hay to provide the necessary vitamin E may not be the best practice. Always get a complete blood count, CBC, done once a year by your vet to make sure vitamin E levels are normal. Selenium, copper, and zinc in hay may be more stable than its vitamin E content. Getting a hay analysis is a good practice for all barns, not just horses with metabolic issues. Research has shown that it's important to make sure your horse is adequately supplied with antioxidants and antioxidant support food. Biostar offers many antioxidant-rich supplements. And now we're at Coffee Clatch. And our question is, what is the best advice you've gotten on training your dog? Patty P? Well, I feel like I've had several things that have been good. Um, years ago, I was really into um, Schutzen training and also, um, um, oh my gosh, the obstacle one. What's it called? Agility. I can't think of it. Thank you. <laughs> God bless you. Um <laughs> Just don't couldn't think of it. Um, and I worked with this really, really great trainer, and he was so big on positive reinforcement. And um, you know, I have Australian shepherds like Tiggy does, and you have to. And one of the best advice I feel like you ever gave me was, you know, just be mindful that they're they can be very sensitive, and you know, and I and I feel like you know I sometimes can be loud because I train horses and. Um, I'm from Jersey, so it's not my fault. <laughs> but, but, um, I, um, but so I've always was very aware of that, but I've, I've just, I'm, I always do such positive reinforcement with my dogs anyway. And I just feel like that has helped me so much build a trust and a bond. And so my, my one dog catch who was left intact, um, till he was about three and a half had a little, had a little bit of a bad habit of chasing deer. And where I lived, they, they, they're like flies. They're 
everywhere. I mean, it is the most adorable thing to go through this back street um, out to the grocery store because there are tiny little baby fawns the size of kittens and they're all over. So they're literally all over. So he would chase, um, he would start chasing him and it just absolutely, it, uh, it infuriated me because the minute he saw them, he wasn't paying attention. And so I knew that I had to work on um, getting his recall better. Um, even, even though I wanted to beat him senseless because <laughs> he would come by. Wait, wait, wait. And then my other one, the minute would happen and I wouldn't pay, if I didn't know it right away, the other one would be sitting next to me, like sucking his flus and going, mommy's gone again, mom, 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 mom. So anyway, I just went back to doing a lot of positive reinforcement with my recall. And um, I just, just today, because I, I, I always get a snack, whether it's a little cheese or a biscuit or BioStore has really great little liver treats. Um, and if, you know, something that they really like, and I am always on horseback. So getting them to come to me can be hard. And anyway, um, I, every time they would come, I'd give them a treat and tell them what a good boy is. Well, today there was a mama and, um, and her baby. And I was like, Ooh, he's been so good, but I don't even want him to like think about this. And I just, all I had to do was pretend I was going to, I said his name, acted like I was going to touch my pocket and he just came a running. And I was like, ah, that's just, that was a lot of due diligence. (laughs) But I was like, yeah. So that's um, great. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be my, my biggest thing. There you go. Mine is, um, learning not to nag. Hmm. That's a tough one. That you have to say, give your request and not keep repeating it. Like, puppy come, puppy come, puppy come, puppy come. And it's hard. You just, you have to wait for them to like blow you off or the wheels kick into gear and they go, oh, I'm supposed to go to the human. Mm -hmm. And that has been one of the biggest, the greatest tips. It's like riding and using your leg all the time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same principle. Mm -hmm. So that, that for me has been a, a great tip for all my dogs. I don't nag them. Although they may see that differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should ask the dogs. <laughs> get, Hedwig, get Hedwig in here to, to translate for us. <laughs> Jennifer? Oh, let's see here. I think, and it wasn't necessarily advice, but I had a light bulb moment, and it was a very, very long time ago. I came from the school of... Um, Negative reinforcement, sit. And if a dog didn't sit, you swooshed his butt down, right? That was the way you trained. It wasn't a lot of good for you and scratches and cookies and stuff like that. Very, very old school. And I was at someone's house one time. They had a lovely golden retriever dog there. And all day long, I kept hearing him say, good dog, good dog, good dog, all day long. I'm going, geez, he says good dog to that dog a lot. And he's really not doing anything special. You know, the dog would do something simple like bring him it was golden retriever so he was constantly carrying around toys and he'd drop a toy and look at him and he'd say good dog and he'd just love all over him mm-hmm. and a couple of days later it dawned on me maybe that's why 
the dog was all the time doing that is he wanted the praise. Uh-huh. So he was figuring out things <laughs> to do to get praise, which was my first, didn't realize at the time, my first understanding that there's such a thing as positive reinforcement in that mm-hmm. you add something positive when you get the behavior versus removing something negative or removing something positive. So I think that was it when I was around someone who just was an incredible, and he wasn't a dog trainer. He just had a dog and he had taken some classes when he got his puppy, because that's a smart thing to do if you're a first time dog owner. And that's the way they taught that that's, you give the dog praise when he gets things right. And you do your best to ignore things that are going wrong. And I think that was it. That that was my very first introduction to positive reinforcement, which can be applied to everything from um, pet cats to husbands. <laughs> I really believe negative reinforcement with husbands is really the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Glenn, you mowed the lawn today and you didn't need to do it till next weekend? Let's Good, go boy. To dinner. Good boy. Good <laughs> boy. There you go. How about you, Pat Pat, Tigger? Oh, absolutely positive. (laughs) (laughs) No question about it. No question about it. Well, we want to know the special someone of the human variety in your life. Do you use positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, or does it depend on the circumstances? We want to know. Go on over to Facebook and look up. Healthy Critters Radio on Facebook, hit the like button and post on there how your significant other best is trained. We want to know. Yes, we do. <laughs> we may need some tips. <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. 